Welcome to the Wheatful Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Goff, and I'm so excited you're here. I'm an online product shop owner over at Wheat & Honey Co., a business strategist leading women-owned, profitable, and purposeful businesses, and your host here at the Wheatful Woman Podcast. Join us as we have fun and soulful conversation with a bunch of girlfriends pursuing a life full of intention and purpose. We are here to give you space and tools for your holistic wellness journey and hope you leave each episode feeling a bit more full than when you came. All right, Wheatful Women, let's dive in. Today's conversation is with Dr. Cassie Reed. She's the founder and lead therapist of Cassie Reed Counseling. She's a director at the King's University and a speaker and author. Cassie Reed Counseling is a multidisciplinary private therapy and counseling practice located in South Lake, Texas. This practice was established to provide partnership with a therapist in a comfortable environment where clients are encouraged to openly share and seek answers for peace and healing in any area of struggle. The team at Cassie Reed Counseling is qualified to offer therapy and counseling services, covering a wide range of life issues across all age groups. Here's my conversation with Dr. Cassie Reed. Welcome, Dr. Cassie Reed, to the show. I'm so excited you're here. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. Of course. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today about self-confidence and how our view of ourself plays such a large role in the way that others perceive us. Before we dive into that, I would love to start hearing a bit more about your family and your inner circle. I know I've heard you speak before to identifying your close friends as your iron, and I would love just to open up the conversation for you to start there. Sure. Yeah. So I've been married for 14 years to my husband, James. And then I have a bonus daughter, Lundy, who is um, about to be 17. It's crazy. (laughs) I met her when she was two. So it's so weird. And then I have an almost five-year-old, four-year-old Emerson. So that's my family. And my iron, it's so interesting because a couple of years ago, maybe a little less than that, the Holy Spirit was just really talking to me and I was working so hard at trying to make friendships work. And I realized, like kind of had this assessment moment where I was like, what do I want in a friendship? Like, what do I want? Like, if I want to sit down across from somebody, like, what do I want that time to look like? Because I kept like having these lunches and these coffees with amazing people, but I just would leave feeling depleted. Like I wouldn't feel like it was a life-giving moment for me, you know? And so I realized my time was so precious. So I just kind of really narrowed down my friend group in a way to where I had these people in my life that were, I call them my iron, that were willing to challenge me. They were willing to say wrong. They really wanted to talk about things of the Lord, which was important to me, you know, Mm -hmm. like for them to like share what they were hearing, seeing, sensing. And then they were just, um, encouraging like positive people like that left me feeling like I could have a bad day we could talk about a bad day but then we left with hope and so I just really have kept them and it's been amazing just to have some a couple of them actually moved away but we still keep in touch and it's just been a great group of people yeah it's so important to have the people that you don't leave with that vulnerability hangover one of my good girlfriends calls <laughs> but these people that you know, they're your safe place. They're people yeah. that are going to call you out in love. And they're people that are going to walk with you 
through that. They're not just going to call you out and leave you there, but they're people that truly understand how you work, how your family works, what's important to you, and they can walk with you in and through everything. Yeah. No, that's good. That's so true. I love that vulnerability hangover. I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to borrow that from her. <laughs> the first time I heard that, it was my friend Jansen. The first time I heard that from her, I thought there is no better way to explain that because no. sometimes you share something and you just feel heavy and yep. you're a little bit concerned. Your pride's a little hurt. You're worried, are they going to go repeat it? And it's really easy, like you said, to surround yourself with a lot of people. It's really easy to have all these coffee dates and all these lunch dates and take walks with all these girlfriends. But at the end of the day, identifying who your iron is, is a world changer. It changes Mm -hmm. everything because you know Mm -hmm. those people that you can go to and you don't have to feel bad for just showing up as you are, but they're Mm -hmm. also the people that you want to build up first. They're also the people that you want to invest in and you want to check in on. And you're extremely mindful of how you can be empowering to them too. When I heard you say iron and you have, you have your friends that you consider your iron and you actually went and bought iron and you Mm -hmm. did iron to them (laughs) and said, "I, I view you as my iron. I want to give you this as a symbol of that because you mean a lot to me. That has stuck with me since you said it. Oh, no, it was this. It's cool. It's true. Cause you, I think you have to let people know. One thing that's important is you got to let people know what they mean to you. I think so often we take for granted, like, I want to identify you in this space in my life right now, because I just want you to know that you hold this place for me, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's so important that people get to hear that from us. Cause I think so often we just assume, mm-hmm. and you know, I've assumed like, you know, you assume certain things you're like, Oh yeah, I, I she's a friend to me. Yeah. I think like, it's like, no, but I'm gonna let you know, like, this is how I feel. This is what I want. This is how I want it to be, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's funny, but. Yeah. And it welcomes your friendships into that space too, mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. know that they're important to you. So it yeah. changes the dynamic a little bit. You see that shift when you have those moments with your people. Yes. Yeah. So can you, can you tell us a little bit more about your professional world and about your roles within director at the King's University and your counseling practice, Cassie Reed, counseling and just writing and speaking and all these things that you do within your career? Sure, sure. Yeah, I have a a private therapy practice that I have run for 10 years. Crazy. It's been 10 years in South Lake, Texas. And then through that, it's been interesting. It was just kind of birthed out. I started being me and just birthed out of like wanting to provide a place for people to practice that was healthy and for people to come get counseling that was healthy. And so it's just grown since then. People have come, people have gone, you know, as therapists and obviously as clients too. And it's just been really cool to, to see that. And from that, they asked me to come and teach some adjunct courses at the King's University when they brought it from California to Texas Mm. um, as part of the church and kind of all the things that they were doing there. And so I taught a couple of adjunct classes and then um, they brought me on full time and said, we think we want to do a master's program. You you know, actually I was one that was like, I think we should do a master's program. And they're like, (laughs) we think we want to do that. And so it's been amazing. I've been able to build it from zero. And um, this year we'll graduate. We did graduate in May, our third class. They'll actually walk the stage in August. It's just been amazing to be able to look at the field of therapy and say, what do people need to know? What does the state want you to know? Like, that's important. (laughs) What ethically you need to know? That's important too. But spiritually, like, how do you distinguish or discern what you need to know in therapy? And just how do you make a good therapist? I'm not a 
the foremost expert in that. I think there's a lot of people who are, and I think it's a shared, you know, space, but I also think it's a passion that I have is to figure out how to duplicate good therapy. Like how do you make people good therapists? And so, mm-hmm. um, that's been a cool thing. And then obviously like writing and, and speaking, that's just been a natural, uh, communication is one of my strengths. And it's just been cool to see the opportunities, just even like connecting with you and, and getting to be here today, just stuff that's happened so organically because I think people so crave the authentic. And I feel like I'm just an open book. I'm the same person here as I am in counseling, as I am with my iron, as I am, you know? And so that part ends up being cool because people want that. They don't want a canned answer. You know, I just really kind of talk from my heart. And so I think that opens a lot of doors for me, which I'm grateful for. Mm. It's definitely a good place to grow from, to have yeah. that that mission and that why behind everything that you're doing. And it's cool from the outside looking in to see the opportunities that have come up for you mm. from starting there. Yeah. And the way that you've been able to just grow and to continue to do what you do, but in these different areas to be able to bring up other therapists and lead them and have that, that grounding behind it. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. When I was thinking about what we should chat about, I really just went back to the basics. We ask our community, what are some things that you would want to hear? And I know you were a part of our retreat a couple of months ago. So a lot of our community has already heard from you and love you. And it was a warm question to ask, what more do you want to hear from Dr. Cassie Reed? We saw this commonality between a lot of the themes and it really was rooted in confidence and how we allow fear to come in and overshadow the way that we're able to live our lives. And one thing that you said in our Revive Retreat was that you do not speak down upon yourself in front of your daughters Mm -hmm. because you don't want to give them permission to think that of you. Mm -hmm. And the flip side of that, that I really took from that comment was not only do you not want them to think that of you, but you probably don't want to give them permission to talk to themselves that way either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was another one of those quick comments you made that was probably just chatter to you, but it really struck something in me as someone that wants to be a mom and as somebody that wants to empower the women I'm around. And it really showed me the impact you have on other people by how you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. And you may not realize that people see it, but if we don't believe we are capable and that we are strong and we're courageous and we're able, we're projecting that on other people around us too. Mm -hmm. So I would really like to dive into that with you today and start by asking you what you would say prevents our self-confidence from growing. The first thing that hits my mind is insecurity. I think everybody has a level of insecurity. I just think it's what we do with it that makes all the difference. And I think what happens is I see so many people who want to function like it's not there. And then that makes our confidence suffer in reverse, you know, like, so our confidence suffers because we're not willing to say, Hey, I'm a little bit insecure in this area. Just knowledge is power. Knowing about something that we struggle with only gives us authority and power over it instead of the opposite. I think our culture teaches us to sweep it under the rug, like keep it quiet, keep it to yourself. Like you don't like that, you know, 
and I think hinders our confidence that hinders us being able to say, here I am. This is me. Take it or leave it. Yeah. This part's hard for me, but I already know that. So I'm not going to let that rule the day. I'm not going to let that rule my life. I'm not going to let that rule what I do. You know, I think for me early on in my career, I had some friends that I was in practice with. I'm still friends with them. I love them. And they were just going and going and going. Like I was watching them and I was like, oh my gosh, like they're writing books, they're doing these things. And I would like look around and I'd be like, oh, I could never do that. I could never do that. You know, just like this, like this little, I'm this little therapist just thinking about a little practice and little stuff like that, you know, like it just felt so small. But what I realized was when I was looking at them, I had my own insecurities that I had to face and say, like, I'm insecure because sometimes I feel like I can't do it. And when I realized, wait a second, what's my lane? And I know that's like probably a whole other part of the discussion, but I'm like, what's Mm -hmm. my lane? What Mm -hmm. am I called to do? What's the lane I'm supposed to run in? And it's like, once you realize it's your lane, you can go as fast as you want. Yeah, You know, it's like, you can run as fast as you want if you're in your lane. It's when you try to be in someone else's that your confidence falters because your insecurity kicks in because I'm trying to be somebody else. I'm trying to achieve for someone else. I'm trying to to compare with someone else. And I know there's so much in what I'm saying, but it's, I just think that that is a thing that we have to do is acknowledge where our insecurities lie, look into where am I supposed to be and then go, you know, like just run with that. Yeah. Do you have any tips for building our security? Yeah, I think that's a great question, actually. I, I think, again, acknowledging it is one. Another tip is, this sounds like a really big therapy thing to do, but it's actually so simple, is asking yourself, what's the root of that? Mm. Like, where did that come from? Like, where did I start feeling that way? And, and like, where did that, so that you can kind of go back and look at that context. I love to look at context things contextually when it comes to stuff that goes on with us. It's realizing what am I doing when these thoughts are the loudest? I heard one time, I think it was Priscilla Shire said, she said, if you have fear, that's evidence that you're walking in the right direction. Like, you know, like if there's some fear involved and I think that's such a true thing, like the things that we do and we step out that are the riskiest. So I think it's saying, okay, you know, what am I feeling? Like what's going on right before I start to feel insecure? Am I about to do something I should be doing? Like, am I about to do something that I'm built to do that I was born to do? Oh, 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 there you go. You're just trying (laughs) to stop me from Mm -hmm. doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and I think it's also recognizing who is in your corner. I think that's a tip too, is like, who is for you? Everybody needs somebody to be for them. Everybody needs somebody that's for them and somebody that you can call and say, Hey, today I'm going to record a podcast with Brittany. Like I, you know, like, or whatever you can say to them and they're for you. And so I think that that's another practical tip when you start to feel that insecurity creep in is to have people who really know you and see you and love you. Yeah. And to know who they are so that you can run to them quickly. Mm-hmm. And those moments. And another thing that I'm currently experiencing right now is when you're uncomfortable, that seems to be a breeding ground for lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. when we are doing things that are new or that are different, that don't fall within our current routine, you're going to be uncomfortable. But that's mm-hmm. where growth happens. Growth happens yeah. when we're uncomfortable. So how do we I love that you say this because this is like a one-on-one session for me. When, <laughs> when I start to feel 
insecure, recognizing, hey, this is just because you're growing a lot right now. So let's slash all those lies and go back to where our security is. And recognizing that that's going to happen when we're growing, that's a big piece of the puzzle. So good. So true. And I think we've kind of covered this already, but do you have anything else on how you see fear playing a role in lack of confidence? Is there anything else you'd want to add to that? We think fear, fear, I think is like kryptonite to us. You know, it's, I think it's the very thing that the enemy brings that's to, to keep us from where we're supposed to be. But I think I lean into that statement so often and I know I'm not saying it as eloquently as she did, but it was like, You've got to lean into that fear. You've got to lean into where did that come from? What is that? Because fear never comes from the Lord. You know, it never does. He can't produce that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, like what or why are you here? <laughs> what are yeah. you doing here? What do you want from me? Like, what are you trying to keep me from? So mm-hmm. it's like, I think if you can analyze it that way and differentiate between what is sometimes, you know, I always tell you, trust your gut. Like that's, I need shirts that say that, that my students will tell you my clients too, but it's like, trust your gut. And I think there's a fine line between letting fear speak and where you feel that feeling of like, you shouldn't do something, you know, like where you're like about to take the cookie, you're the kid and you're about to steal the cookie and it's not going to go well. And you know it and in your guts, you're like, don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) It's like, there's a fine line between that and fear. And I think as, as women specifically, we have to learn how to differentiate that. It's like, is this fear or is this something inside of me saying my intuition, like my gut, my my Holy spirit saying, don't do it. Yeah. And so the, the, the line there, it's got to train ourselves because if it's fear, I'm going, but if it's my gut telling me to stop, I'm stopping, you know, and there's a fine line there. So you just have to figure that out a little bit. It's hard. Yeah. Do you have any ways that you differentiate those two? How do you tell Um, the difference between your intuition and fear? I think you know it. Like, I I mean, that's so, that's such a horrible answer. (laughs) I think, you know, it, that's it. But like, I I don't know. I think if anybody were to ask themselves, women are so amazing because we are so intuitive. Like we were designed with such powerful intuition, like as wives, as moms, as friends, as sisters, as, you know, I mean, like there's just so many ways that we were built to be intuitive. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think what happens is that gets downplayed in us sometimes. And like, you know how, when you just like, I don't know, I just have a feeling. Oh, something's just telling me. Oh, I don't know. I just don't feel good about that. Mm -hmm. Listen, (laughs) listen (laughs) to that. That's typically your discernment. You know, that's typically the Holy Spirit guiding you. It's Mm -hmm. when you're like, I shouldn't do that. I'm not good enough. Oh my gosh. I don't, I don't think I should. Oh man. I don't know. Someone else should do that. I don't, Oh man, I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too smart. I'm too weak. I'm too tired. I'm too, you know, like that's never my intuition telling me something. It's never going to bash me if it's the Lord, you know, it's never going to bash me if it's protection, but -hmm. it will bash me if it's wanting to keep me from something. And so I think that's really how I tell yeah. Yeah. And I find for me personally, if I'm spending time in prayer, it's easier for me to differentiate the two because my mm-hmm. perspective is where it should be. And I find that's a huge piece of the puzzle for me in times that I'm really wrestling and confused and not sure if it's something I should do or shouldn't do, or I'm, am I just anxious or am I growing? What space am I in? If I am having conversations with the Lord routinely, mm-hmm. I have so mm-hmm. much more clarity. And sometimes yeah. those conversations aren't my achiever heart. They aren't 
a checklist. It's not, okay, let me start with a grateful heart and thanking him. And then let me go into, it's not structured. Sometimes I just get on my knees and just try to listen. And that's my prayer. Or it's, Lord, would you guide me today? You know my heart. I don't have the words today. I I can't Mm -hmm. formulate the words of how I'm feeling today, but I'm feeling heavy and anxious and concerned. Here are the things. And then I just be still. And even in that stillness that's intentional, my perspective is heightened so much more where I'm able Mm -hmm. to follow. That's my intuition. That's not fear. Yeah. Vice versa. No, it's so good. And that, that kind of leads me into imposter syndrome. I want to talk about that for a minute. That Mm -hmm. has been a buzz phrase for quite a while now, but it holds so much impact over our lives. And I would love to know what tips you have for overcoming that imposter syndrome of feeling, of feeling like, who am I to do this? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, I think that leads me to think some about comparison because I think that the lie that we believe is that someone else will do it better. So, so just like kind of what I was saying in the beginning of my career, just looking at these other two people and being like, Oh my gosh, yeah, they're so much better than me. Like, Oh my God, you know, they can do all these things. And it was like, yeah, like they had their lane and they are, they're better. Like one of the therapists that I worked with, she's like one of the leading um, investigators for, you know, crimes against children in our County. Like she's amazing. Like that was her lane. Like she needed to run in that lane. That was not my lane not where I wanted to be, you know? And so I think what we have to do is we have to stop discounting what we're called to do because we assume that someone else is going to do it or do it better. And I think that's the lie that we believe is like, yeah, but oh, I don't know. She doesn't have two kids so she can do it. Or, or, you know, she has a husband that supports her. She has, she's not married. So see, she, you know, there's just always some way we could look at someone else's life and say that they have it better. And that's such a poor design in our culture, but it just is, it exists. And I think to battle that, if you're doing what you know in your guts, you're passionate about, you're called to, kind of like with you, it's like I was just sharing how you're just so in your lane, like you can tell. And even the things that other people feel like, I don't want to do that. You're like, that's so fun. Like it's because you're in your lane, you're doing what you're called to do. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's how I think we have to know. And I think we're afraid sometimes to lean into that thing. And I think it's easier to watch someone else fulfill our dream. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting. I have to be, if I have to be honest, I'm just going to share about this because this was like yesterday. So I had coffee with not my, I'm not a person that was my iron. And the Holy Spirit just started talking to me because this person was talking about some dreams that the Lord had put in my heart that I know for sure are mine. You know, like she wasn't Mm -hmm. saying it rude. She was just talking about some things that she was reading, thinking about. And like the Holy Spirit stopped me right then and there. And he said, I've told you to do this. You're sitting here now hearing someone else talk about it. And and I'm telling you right now, I'm stopping you and saying, go. Don't wait and let someone else do it. It is your thing to do. I need you to do it. And it was crazy because it was almost like that. He talks to me real sassy because I'm sassy, but like, it was like (laughs) really firm. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) You know, like it was like, okay. You know, you sit there and it was like, I was in that moment of thinking, oh, see someone else is kind of having that revelation. They're leaning that direction. They could possibly like take it 10 steps further and think about it and they could write it or they could do it. And the Lord like immediately was like, stop, no, 
Like, I'm not even going to let you go have that thought. I'm going to tell you right here, right now, that's yours to do. You need to do it. I've told you a million times, let's go. And so mm-hmm. it was like a kick in the pants, but a good one. Mm-hmm. So I needed that. I need Because I think there's always going to be somebody else in your space. If you think you're going to own a space, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Just saying, mm-hmm. you're, you're crazy. And nobody there's else. not. <laughs> go ahead. I was just going to say, there's nobody else that can do it the way that you would do it. They may be doing the same thing. You may both be florist. Let's just throw a random thing out there. But you're not going to do it the same. And the experience and the experience that you personally have and the experience that you you provide for whoever that community is that you're serving can't be matched. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> it's just real I, raw I've and been, honest. That's, yeah. That's me I, just yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect timing. Yeah. It is. So what about the person that feels like, hey, I'm in progress. I am still learning about this new thing. I am not an expert at that yet. How do I walk in that with courage and try something new when I feel like I'm still in the middle of it? Mm. You know, it's so funny. Like my first gut, <laughs> the gut, again, I told you I'm sassy. So the Lord's <laughs> sassy. I'm like, so who is? Like, who is an yeah. expert? Yeah. Good luck. Nobody. Because yeah. I'm going to show you somebody that knows more than you do always, you know? Yeah. And I think this, I think that if we wait for ourselves to arrive somewhere, we're never going to get there. You know, it's like, I was talking to someone about that this morning. It's like, freedom is a journey. Like I'm, I am a therapist, 10 years practicing, been studying inner healing since I was 18 years old. And like every day I'm like, oh gosh, I need need to think about this part of my life that's faulty. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like not in a bad way, but like there's this thing that always Mm -hmm. comes up. And so I feel the same way about expertise. It's like, I am not the the leading, world's leading therapist. I'd I'd love to say I was, but I'm not. There's other people who are studying more, doing more, researching more. But you know what? I'm going to own my lane and I'm the best that I can be every day when I show up in the space that I've been given. And that's all I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep striving in my place. And so I just want to say to you, if that's you, if you're sitting there saying, yeah, but I need to just learn a little more. I need to do this more. I need to study more. I need to wait till I lose 50 pounds. I need to, you know, whatever. That's a lie. And I think you have to start. Some of great, I love um, all the books by John Acuff. He spells his name J-O-N-A-C-U-F-F. And I'm not an endorser. I've met him and he's a great guy, but at all, he's a New York Times bestseller. But he has a book called Start. And that's what he talks about. He's like, you've got to start somewhere. Um, and how it's like, you just, you just got to take the first step. And there's so much power in that like in just taking the first step, just saying, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do this one thing today. Because I think we overwhelm ourselves with what's today, what's tomorrow, what's, you know, oh, but I don't know in five years, what if I hit this? And I'm like, and what if you do? You know, like if I would have never started my practice, if I would have thought about all the hurdles I could have crossed in 10 Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And there's no way you can think about all this. You can't. (laughs) It'll overwhelm you. You'll stop. You're never going to do anything. Exactly. I'll stay in bed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We all will. We all will stay in bed. Yes. Part of why I think individuals are scared to start something. They have this dream. Like you said, the Lord told you that's yours. That is something he wants you to do. That's something that he has put on your heart that nobody else can do like you can do it. That is yours. Part of why I have personally felt afraid to say yes and to try something is because I'm looking to see somebody else that's done that. 
mm-hmm. looking to see somebody else that's been vulnerable enough to show up and say, I'm starting a podcast. I did not mm-hmm. know about this three months ago. This happened over the course of four weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for somebody else to show me, hey, I tried something I didn't know a lot about. And I'm not perfect and I'm never going to be perfect. Here's my journey. But look at these cool conversations we've had. If we're looking for that from somebody else, why wouldn't we just be that person? It's like being the friend you want to have. Why wouldn't we choose to say, I'm going to be that person for somebody else. And then maybe it'll cause this ripple effect where we Mm -hmm. all start saying yes to that thing that is intimidating or scary or unknown. And just because we say yes, doesn't mean it has to look a certain way. When we say yes to something It's a series of seasons where we're on this journey. Just because you say yes doesn't mean your idea of what that yes looks like is the end. Yeah. You don't have to stay there. It's going to evolve. New opportunities are going to come off of it. I look at your career and Mm. your yes to your why Mm -hmm. and what Mm -hmm. that's led to. It's such an example. But maybe if we can be that for other people, as women, we can all band together and saying yes more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think... Okay, so I'm type A, firstborn, you know, want to plan. So, I mean, and I think a lot of women are that way too because we're intuitive. You know, like we look out ahead, we're like, what do we got? And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that's a good thing, but I think it's a strength that can be used against us because it is easy to be like, okay, but will we have the finances or will this work? Will anyone even want to listen to this? Will anybody want to watch this? Will this want to be like whatever, you know? And so, it's really interesting because I think you've got to take the first step. I I heard a message, got a lot of random things that I just collect in my brain. Clearly you're finding that (laughs) everyone, but is that this message about TV Jakes actually did it. And it was on, he was talking about a GPS and he said, you can't take the turn until you get there. And it's like, what we want is we want our GPS to be like, good job. Keep going straight. But it's not (laughs) going to tell you that. Like if you're driving on 35 and you need to drive to Austin, like it's not going to be like, keep going straight. There's one place where it's going to tell you to stay on 35 South, but that's it. Like the rest of the time, it's going to just say, it's going to be your go on for 200 and something miles, you know? And I think in our life, we want that. We want somebody to be like, keep going straight. But it's like, you've got to take one turn at a time. If I try to take the third turn and I haven't even gotten on the road, I'm going to get lost. And I think we try to look too far ahead sometimes. I would have never said, I'm going to be sitting here in 2020. Well, let's not even go into that about 2020. <laughs> but like, like, I'm going to be sitting here in 2020 having this conversation on a podcast about a 10-year-old practice and my time at King's. I would have never dreamed this in my life. And so I think it's saying, yes, I had a tiny office. It was one waiting room and me for the start. You know, I was just, I had yeah. to start somewhere, you know, and it's like it grew and, and developed and changed and, and more and more. And so it was like, I, I didn't know that. I didn't see that. And I feel like if the Lord would have showed me that, then I would have messed it up. It's a protection that we don't yeah. see everything. Yeah. So I have two concepts of yours that I'd like to dig in a little bit more and those are your drive-through mentality and vision mm-hmm. for provision. Mm-hmm. And I would love to open up this space here just to let you speak directly into that drive-through mentality firsthand for us. Yeah, I think, you know, it's so funny because you say things in a moment and you think about it and then we're all guilty. Like I'm guilty of having that sometimes. I think our culture right now 
is so I was watching a comedian the other day. He's like, I want it now, like prime now, like get it right now. You know, it's like, everything is like, get it now. And it's, it's so true. Like we're in this place where if we can't have a finished product when we want it right then right now, and I don't know about you, I'll just tell myself I'm guilty of getting on Amazon and being like, how many days? They'll take yes. three days. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm going to pick this seller because it'll be tomorrow. I know it's 50 cents more, but it'll be here tomorrow. Like, it's like, we are so a now society. And I think there's parts of us, we've forgotten how to stop. We've forgotten how to slow down. I will tell you a meal that I look up in a cookbook, go to central market, get the ingredients for cook you and serve you on China at my house is much better than anything that I could pick you up for to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just, and I'm not saying that like, Oh, I'm a great cook, but it's just overall the time, the investment and the weight of it is so worth it, you know, sometimes. And I think even a vacation, if you think about that, like if you plan a vacation and you know, it's coming, there's power in that anticipation. Like in three weeks, I'm going to the beach In two weeks, I'm going to in one week. Like, it's like, you're ready for it. And I think what we've done is we've made our culture and, and our life, our dreams, our destiny, everything we want to do be a drive through. Like I need it right now. I want it right now. I want it right now. And if I can't get it right now, then I'm going to look to something else. How many dreams, how many moments how many spaces have been abandoned because of that mentality? Like if I would have said, I want to have a practice with nine therapists and hundreds of clients, if I can't have that, I'm not going to do it. I would have abandoned it. You know, if I would have said, I want it now, I knew it took time. It takes investment. It takes seasoning. It takes, it's so interesting too, because it's almost like Tetris. Everything falls into the right place if you let it. And, and I think we've abandoned that concept of letting things slide into place, like relationships. I've met so many people so organically, kind of like even you and me, like it's just like mm-hmm. been the best way to meet somebody and to be like, oh my gosh, we can connect in this way. And it wasn't forced. It isn't made to be quick. It just happens. Mm-hmm. And there's so much sweetness and so much power to that. And so I think we have to really be conscientious because I think our world wants us to move faster but I think our hearts, our families, our dreams, our bodies, our spirits want us to move slower. And everything that we look back on that we're thankful for is worth the wait. Mm-hmm. It's worth the wait. That instant gratification is not worth the trade-off of the fullness yeah. of seeing your practice where it is or seeing our personal relationships grow. And this year has showed me that as that achiever personality, like you said, I'm firstborn, type A, I like to have a plan. This year has showed me God can do more in my stillness than in my doing. And He doesn't have to have me slaving over my business for it to be successful. Mm -hmm. He calls Mm -hmm. me to work hard and to be diligent and to be intentional and to know that why, like your why. But he also calls me to trust that he doesn't need me and every last bit of my energy to accomplish what he wants to do through Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. He needs me to rest is what he needs. Because Mm -hmm. if we keep striving and striving and striving, you hit a wall and then you can't keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so true. Well, and I think when you're doing what you're called to do, like even you, you know, the scripture, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Like 
if you're doing what you're called to do, it is easy. Like people are like, how did you do it? How you? I'm like, I don't know. I wake up every day and do what I love to do and I get paid to do it. It's amazing. Like, you know, it's like, it's not hard. Like it mm-hmm. is, like you said, I'm working hard and I'm diligent and I'm wise and I'm, I'm not, you know, just sitting around eating bonbons expecting my business to grow. But I think the, the flip side of that is I'm also not out there hustling and pressure and pushing and striving. And I'm not doing any of that because I don't have to, yeah. you know, I don't have to, like, I don't have to, cause I'm in my lane and I'm doing my thing and it comes easy when you really are in that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on that note, I would love to hear more about how relationships play such a big role in what you do. Obviously it's all rooted in that relationship, but how would you say your personal passion for investing in people has led you to do what you do and to have that mental strength that you need every single day to be so relationship oriented? You know, it's interesting. My first gut instinct when you ask that question is one thing I tell my students this all the time. I said, there's no relationship ever wasted. Like the moment you start thinking that a relationship is disposable or not um, beneficial to you is a moment that you'll fail is how I feel. Just because every relationship that I have encountered, I felt led to steward to my best of my ability. And I cannot tell you how many relationships have come back and been a benefit to me because I stewarded them well. Hey, I have this person over here I can call. And, and like my friends are joking, like, you know, everyone. I'm like, I don't know everyone, but I don't throw relationships away. And mm-hmm. so even somebody from 10 years ago, I'm like, oh, I have this friend from 10 years ago. I'm going to call her real quick and just see if, you know, this might be a good connection for you. It's like, I think that's where we forget sometimes we get too nearsighted. It's like, we've got to steward every relationship. But I also think that one of my other strengths is individualization. So I don't see any two people the same. Like I feel like everybody has their own identity, their own needs, their own perspective, their own uh, place. And so I think that really helps me because I may have two clients that I see with depression, but they're two different people who got to this place two different ways. You know, and the moment I say, oh, everybody with depression, you get this treatment, you get this treatment, you get this treatment, you get this treatment is, you know, like then, then I'm failing. I'm, I'm forgetting why I do what I do in the first place. Yeah, that's, that is a gift. That is a gift. I know we're all gifted differently and blessed differently. Seeing your ability to see individuals for who they are and the experiences they've walked through and then being able to join them in that and lead them towards healing is something that is so unique to you. And to you, it may come so easy that you think, oh, that's simple. Anybody can do that. But I would love just to take a moment to speak that life over you. But that's not something that everybody can do. And that makes you such a unique light and gives Mm -hmm. you something that you are doing that doesn't come easy for other people. And what a gift that it does come easy for you. And it is something that makes you come alive versus feeling like an uphill battle every day. Hmm. Here, as we're wrapping things up, a really cool way to end is talking about this vision for provision. Mm -hmm. I think for anyone that's listening, there have maybe been quick little comments that have hit them and things that they're going to take with them, like I've taken from previous things that I've read or heard you say. And as a way of empowering them in that, I just want to open it up here and let you speak some life and encouragement over this concept. Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, I feel like this. I feel like the Lord doesn't dangle carrots. 
And if he gives you a vision of something like the provision will come. And I think it's our job to step out. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the old cartoon, but I always think about it, you know, where they've got the mule or they've got the donkey and they have the carrot dangling in front of them and they make them walk forever. And they just keep thinking, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. He doesn't work like that. And I think if he's given you a vision for something, he'll bring the provision for it as well. If it's him, he'll bring the provision. But I think what happens is it, it where we get convoluted in some ways is we want to define what the provision should look like. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's where we let our human, I always joke, we put our human on it, you know, just like a pane glass window when you have a toddler, it's like they touch all <laughs> over. It's like we put our human on it, you know? And so I just want to say to you, start, you may not have $1 in your bank account. You may not have the capability in your mind financially or emotionally or anything to start any, like you might think you're not able, but there's power in starting. If that just means you write an outline. If that means you just jot down on a napkin, a business plan, if that means that you just write some chapter titles for a book that you want to write, if that means you just get a couple of friends and you dream about an Etsy shop, whatever it is, start, let yourself start because one step leads to two steps, leads to three steps. And you don't know who will see you, who will want to be a part of it, what will happen, what things will, I mean, who saw 2020 in a negative way, but there are other, I could tell you probably 10 times where I've seen things come in a positive way versus in a negative way when you don't see things coming, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I just want to say that to you is like, there will be provision for your vision. You just have to let yourself have the vision. You have to let yourself at least walk out the first part, the first step, do one thing. And and I feel like the rest will follow behind you. Mm, Thank you, Cassie. I'm so thankful that we got to chat today. And I'm also thankful for all of the different things that we were able to touch on that I just know are a part of this conversation because there are different pieces of the puzzle that women in our community needed to hear. So thank you for taking time to chat with me and to speak to this topic of confidence. And I just appreciate you being here. Oh, I'm so, I'm so honored to be part. I just love what you're doing. I I love this community. If you don't have iron or people around you, this is a great place to find Mm -hmm. some women who will stand with you that are full of integrity and wisdom and just positivity. So, I mean, if you don't have a place where you're like, where am I going to find people? This is where I would look. It's just great minds, businesses, all walks of life coming together. And it's so powerful. Thank you. Appreciate you being here, Cassie. Thanks so much. Want to know where you can get plugged in with Dr. Cassie Reed? Head on over to her website at CassieReed.com, over to her Facebook page at Cassie Reed Counseling, or follow along on Instagram at CR Counseling. Did you enjoy this episode? Would you hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and share this podcast with a girlfriend? A great way to help us get the word out is by screenshotting this episode on your cell phone and tagging us at Wheatful Woman to your Instagram story. We'd love to hear your favorite parts of the show so we can keep creating episodes that show up to serve you. Thanks for tuning in and we can't wait to catch you next time.